Hey everybody, welcome to Mindful Social. It's a brand new year and we've got some really exciting guests this year. And you know, Mindful Social is really about how people use social in a mindful way. And it's also about mindfully working. And so that makes me really excited to have uh, Islet Barron and Tim here to help us. And I want you guys to kind of let people know who you are. Why don't we start with you, Tim? and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, it's great to actually put a face with the name that we talk about so <laughs> so much on social. And, um, oh geez, now I got my phone ringing in the background. Um, I'll get the data out of there. Um, Ta-da, it's live. <laughs> it's, it's mindful social, right? Um, <laughs> um, no, but I am the former uh, director of community at the Huffington Post. And I've dabbled in working in, for a social media marketing agency, decided that that was not for me. Um, but in the process have really found that uh, using social media to help build relationships, help do things with purpose and impact uh, for meaningful things to me has become what I'm all about. And so it's really about how I can help people see that, how I can help them learn about that, how I can help them shift their mindsets in a way to look at things a little bit differently. Because um, you you were describing my, mindful social in your way, Janet. I was like sitting there thinking to myself, well, how? what other way is there to use social? And how do you tell us about yourself? I was gonna ask Tim to introduce me, but um, okay. <laughs> Well, well, I, I can I can say this. I Elit is responsible for me now calling myself an architect of humanity. Oh. So I will turn it over to her to explain a little bit more about her and how that came to be. <laughs> so I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to be here and excited to be doing this uh, transformational work in the world to bring in 21st century leadership. Um, I think many of us um, just need a new mindset. We don't need a new program or initiative, but what we need to do is to really think differently about how we create a saner and uh, healthier world and planet for all of us. So that's that's kind of my purpose in life. And, and really to boil it down is I do a lot of work around how do we build trust and community and deep relationships to drive um, business. And uh, I'm a recovering global tech executive. I worked for many years uh, at a small little internet company called Cisco. Um, most of my work was done internationally. I was based out of San Francisco at the time, but most of my work was traveling around the world. And I was just so blessed to be doing work in Africa and Latin America and Russia and Asia and Australia and Latin America and you know over 140 countries. I, I think at some point I stopped counting. And to bring that all together now um, in the work that I'm doing in the world and finding like-minded architects of humanity is what my life is all about right now. Wow, that's really beautiful. I, I can imagine that traveling the world really open your eyes a lot to what other cultures are like and how other people are li living and at the same time how small really the planet has become with the advent of social media and the internet. Absolutely. I mean, to me, what was thrilling was how well we would connect. And sometimes when I got to be home, um, I would come into the office at 
5 a.m. And, and walk into the telepresence unit and I would turn it on and on the other side of the world would be 20, 25 uh, youth from a, one of the second largest slum in the world and we would spend time talking about how social media and how technology can help shift um, their life and I've got a lot of stories about that but I think there's so much more possible now not just also traveling the world but connecting deeply human to human with purpose and creating amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. So things like telepresence are, are absolutely huge. And, you know, we're seeing now that Skype is making a huge difference all around the world. Uh, you know, Tim and I are working with Stand with Aleppo, a group that really is trying to help Syria. And we're seeing people live tweeting, you know, from this horrific place and being able to really transform uh, how we see people across the world. And, um, you know, it really, it, it, it's mind boggling. Well, I think, so, you know, one thing, Janet, that, that I, I just want to point out is, um, you know, the thing that video allows us to do is, you know, so many of us can, can, you know, tweet or post on Facebook and, and try and express what we're feeling. But when you use video, I've always said it's the purest form of communication we can have because we need to be present for each other. Mm -hmm. um, if we're not, we know it, you know, and you can hear my facial, you know, um, you know, tones change when I talk. You can see, like, if something's going on in the background, why I'm doing it, like the call coming in on my computer was a perfect example, right? Like, in, if I was tweeting or something, nobody would have known that that would have happened. And so we need to be completely present. But more importantly, I think what it does, especially with the example of what we're seeing from Syria, when, when you know, uh, Bana, the seven-year-old girl, uh, gets on Periscope and starts sharing her message and her story, you're seeing where she's at, the surroundings. And you can you can hear her emotion and her feelings and her hope and 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 everything. It's it's all encompassing. The only thing that that live video doesn't give us is smell and touch. And let's be honest, we don't always want that, right? <laughs> <laughs> always. So so video is so powerful when we when we start communicating. And you don't have to take telepresence, you know, a big enterprise expensive level system to be able to do it. Skype is perfect. What we're doing right here with Google Hangouts is perfect. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was at Huffington Post, we were part of AOL. AOL had the telepresence system, right? And, and everybody was using that. What did our tech team use in HuffPost to deal with our engineers and developers all over the world? We got on Google Hangouts with each other. It, you know, it doesn't matter what the platform is or what the technology is. It's just that you are dealing on a, on a platform and a tool that other people that you're trying to communicate know how to use. And if you have that, then you can start really truly communicating. Yeah, maybe another way to say that it is it, it isn't the tool or the platform, it's the intention with which you use it mm -hmm. and what you really want to accomplish. Um, you know, so many times, I mean, when was the last time you watched a webinar and missed 90% of it because you were checking your email, you were answering the phone, you were tweeting, you were Facebooking, you were doing all these things because there was going to be a recording. Why did you need to even be there? Uh, you know, and, and I think that social media has helped us to understand that there is a, more, a deeper communication there. I think there's so a, I want to, oh, sorry, I think there's also a deeper um, issue here. You know, we're so caught up in the 
B2B and the B2C. And where we really are in 2017 and beyond is the human-to-human purpose and experience-driven era. Mm -hmm. And when we lead with purpose, when we know why we're having that conversation, we're not focused on the video. We're not focused. I, you know, when I when I left corporate America, uh, sorry, when I left my corporate job, um, I decided to look and see what who was out there, and I realized there were all these free tools. And I was just amazed because I was so much into this corporate world and I started using them and it was amazing because I was doing work around the future of work and I could go talk to high school students and I could go connect with people all over the world using these tools. And that's what's amazing is when we, when we not think about like the fourth industrial revolution and it's all about technology and we remember that it's about human to human what purposeful experiences can we create using social tools? I mean, the opportunities are just immense. Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, when we're talking about purposeful experiences, what does that look like now? And what's it gonna look like in five years? Well, right now I think we're a bit confused because um, right now I think many of us are still stuck in 20th century models of fear and competition and scarcity. And I think as more people um, wake up and realize that we have so much around us today, and I'm not talking about just money, but we have resources and people. There are over 7.4 billion people on this planet. It could either freak you out or you could see it as a huge opportunity. It's a choice. And so if you see it as a huge opportunity and you take mindset of moving away from just solving problems into opportunities, there's so much that's possible that we can go out and create and co-create with other people. And so I think the purposeful experiences of the future, if companies and organizations and also people joining the gig economy start shifting their focus from products and services to what experiences am I offering? Because let me ask you a question, Janet. What industry is Google in? Search. Search? They're also in, into automotive and transportation and health. And so one of the things we're going to be seeing in the future is industry lines are blurring. And, you know, all of a sudden, if we look at the health and wellness, you've got Google, you've got L'Oreal, you've got Nike, you've got, you know, what does Nike do? You know, um, but all these players are starting to create. And so the organizations that are, are really going to thrive in the 21st century and the individuals that are going to thrive are the ones that are going to be able to create purposeful experiences and bring people together in new ways and create new markets, right? Because there's all this stuff about a company recently that decided to, to see one competitor and now they're in major trouble. And if you have a 21st century leadership mindset, what you're going out to do is saying, what's on the edges? Who, who resonates with me? And how do I create these opportunities and new markets on the edge? Mm -hmm. So I also have to admit, I used to be the chief strategy and innovation officer. And, and <laughs> so I have, I have like this focus on how do we create new markets and how do we create these purposeful experiences human to human? Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely crucial. And and when we see people, you know, using social media the way that, you know, you would go back to old school marketing in the 50s, it's really not conducive to the experience at all. Um, you know, but when we look at five years from now, are we going to still be communicating since you're in innovation? Uh, you know, what how are we going to be communicating? 
Is it going to be, is it going to be all video? What kind of communication platforms do we see coming down the pike? I think I'll let Tim also jump in on this, but I think um, much of this is about what's valuable. Again, when we lead with structure, which is a 20th century way of leading, and when we lead with um, technology, we're not leading with purpose. When we're very clear about why we're here, why are we doing this, what we're doing, then we figure out how to communicate. But you know, if we just communicate in the old way, I would rename like most of the communication departments in corporations today the one-way communication department because they're mostly um, bringing information to you, but they're not really looking at how do we create dialogue? How do we create deep conversation? How do we work out loud? So I think as more concepts as working out loud, as integrating social in, into our purpose of how we communicate internally and with customers and with vendors and with the community, we're gonna see that video is huge. But most people are, are fearful of video. They think you have to be perfect. Um, they think, you know, they, there's all this conception um, about video and video is the most amazing tool to connect us. But there will be many other platforms that arise. I'm still waiting for someone to create the first real social network in the world. Over to you, Tim. <laughs> Oh, and and, we'll, and that new social network will look like no. <laughs> Come on, Tim, pull out. <laughs> uh, well, I think you know the the other important thing for for people to remember too is I mean I've been you know Ayelet and I and and Janet you we've all been around like this this new technology for for years now and and years isn't like ancient history right because it hasn't been around that long, mm. but but we need to remember that that the, the next generation that's already in the workforce now has not known anything but this technology. And so when we start thinking, the, the existing leadership in organizations start looking at what the future of technology is, we're using it in the mindset of what we've known. And what we need to start doing is looking at it from what, what's possible. And let's get everybody in on this conversation, not just the people in the boardroom, but let's get the new hires that are coming in, the, the, the interns that are coming in. Let's get everybody, let's get our customers involved in this process to see how are they going to be wanting to be communicated with. And mm. I think if we start doing that, then we learn how we can actually truly start connecting with each other. Because if we're just making decisions and, and going downstream with it and expecting people to follow, there's, there's nothing mindful about that. There's nothing purposeful about that. It's, that. it's that communication department broadcasting out a message and it doesn't work with purpose and it doesn't work with, with any form of communication or any technology that, that an organization puts in place. It really has to be coming from all sources, not just the top down. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I also, I think that it isn't, a, for me, it isn't about the platforms. So it's more about having some compassion for the people that you want to talk to and actually some empathy. Let's find out what their problems are and let's find out what their ways of communication are and then communicate to them in a way that they are going to understand. And that really takes us understanding our markets more than I think most marketers want to know. They don't want to have to work hard. They don't want to have to think. They want to just be able to push that message out there and you know get it done and move on. And we're not tolerant of that kind of communication anymore. Uh, we expect interaction and, and back and forth. There's two things 
at least speaking from an American school standpoint, that we have never been taught. And we're not taught it, it you know, from our schools and we're not taught it in any organizations. One is empathy and the second is listening. We're taught how to talk. We're taught how to write. We, we, we take public speaking classes. Nowhere along our educational system have we been trained how to listen. And also to ourselves, right? I mean, that's, that's a big piece of it. You know, we've been, if, and if we have, it's about listening to ourselves and we have to start with trusting ourselves and listening to ourselves and trusting our intuition because many of us, like, you know, there's so many people who look at all these social media tools and they go, what am I supposed to do this? I know I'm supposed to be outside doing and communicating and talking, but they're not using common sense with it and saying, well, did I ever have a television strategy? Did I ha ever have a radio strategy? Why do I need to have a Twitter strategy? And, and when we start looking at empathy of who do we need to connect deeply with, where are they? Where are the conversations we can have? That that's that creates a whole new opportunity for us um, that we need to look at. And empathy is absolutely key. But the other piece of it is we don't learn how to have empathy for ourselves um, often. And when we start having more empathy for ourselves, then oh my God, I almost swore there, but I stopped myself. But we can <laughs> we can have this amazing empathy for other people and really be able to go out and listen and also see what's valuable. I mean. Organizations spend more than 50% of their time solving problems that they create themselves. Mm -hmm. And what I love to do is go in and work with leaders and work with communication departments and help them on this journey to see how do you deeply connect, uh, whether externally or internally, but it's time to bring the team back together and it's really time to have new types of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to speak to what, what Tim was saying, it's about listening. And, uh, you know, the faster we run, the less we listen. So I think, you know, and, and with social media, people have the impression that if you don't respond immediately, the world is going to end. And that's simply not true. You can pause and reflect and then respond, but that doesn't often happen. Uh, you know, I, I taught a class last week in which I did an active listening uh, ex exercise, sorry, and they were all salespeople. And it was really interesting that at the end of the session, they were like, oh my God, I don't actually listen. So it was really, it was really an eye opener for them. And, and it was an eye opener for me. Um, I'm the queen of interrupters, and it's one of the things that I, I work on constantly. But, you know, it's really important to listen without an intent to answer in a particular way. And I think marketers definitely need to, to learn that. So when I want to switch gears a little bit here um, to leadership. So what's the difference? You know, we talk a lot about marketing because that's what we do. But I also want to talk about what a leader looks like going forward. How can we uh, really influence the new leaders to be a little bit more mindful in how they work? Um, I think the biggest thing is, is the mindset shift that we need for moving from solving problems and fear and scarcity and trying to take market share away from someone else and being number one everywhere 
to the 21st century where there's enough for everyone and we start looking at opportunities and how we can imagine bringing people together. So the 21st century leader can bring the right people at the right time to have the right conversations. They're no longer the expert who stands in front of the room because they know how to bring the right people. They have such a broad um, network and, and trusted community and relationships that they could say, oh, we have this opportunity here. Let me bring the employees, the customers, the community people together to have that conversation on all these different platforms or in all these different ways. And the really, um, you know, Carrie Anderson is one of the 33 amazing people, including Tim, who are, are in my book. And um, I love what Carrie has to, to uh, uh, has to say about opportunity makers. Mm -hmm. um, and that is truly the 21st century leader is the one that has the empathy and the listening and the ability to also to to want to go create something because what happens is we're competing in conversations right the 20th century person when they have a conversation they're competing because you want to come out and you want to appear smart and you want to take the floor and and it's everything we've been conditioned to in school in education and relationships everything is like who's going to be on the list the 21st century leader knows that there's only one list it's the list that they make it's a list that they create. And then their list is amazing because they bring other people on the journey with them. And so they no longer need to be that, you know, the top. They just need to be the person who's very purposeful, who understands how to create human to human purposeful experiences in a world where we have, you know, a ton of opportunity. And of course we need to fear, you know, it's unrealistic to say we can't fear. I'm not gonna punch a tiger in the nose. Right. I mean, I know who's going to win if I try to, to punch a, a tiger in the nose, but I also need to um, be realistic about the fear that's there. Right. I mean, I, I recently approached somebody about uh, doing and her response was, well, I'm not sure I'm good enough. And, and that conversation of that, that vulnerability that she was able to express that that's a 21st century leader, because instead of saying no to me, she said, I, do, I don't know if I'm good enough, and then we could have another dialogue and conversation about it. Um, and we're not competing in, the, in, in that sense of conversation. That brings the point of fear up really well, I think, because you know we're afraid that we're gonna say something stupid. We're afraid we're gonna look bad on video. We're afraid that our boss is gonna hear us saying we're vulnerable and give somebody else a raise. And you know that is, been the corporate culture for a long time. And, uh, you know, Kari Anderson, I love what she has to say about opportunity making. And I have to say, she really walks her talk just like you do. She uh, is always thinking about how she can make opportunities for others. And that's, you know, a rising tide raises all boats kind of scenario, where if we think about how we can help each other, then we all do that together. Then that's, a wonderful way to succeed and I do think that that's the way leadership is evolving it's painful for a lot of people um, I think they have people who are seeing their leader um, acting this way are kind of going wow how am I going to respond to that and, and it scares them it scares them a lot I think we're, we're you know if, if you look right at it and stare it right in the eyes We've been conditioned into this win-lose, and it goes back to the beginning of the conversation about how Tim and you are connected now, and this deeper purpose that you're working on. Um, you know, we're, we've we've conditioned everything and created everything as a win-lose. 
So if I want to get the promotion and there are the three of us, then everybody is telling me about teamwork and collaboration, but there's only one promotion. Mm. There's only one race. Um, there's only so many spots on whatever list you want to say, right? And so we've got this, you know, we could say, oh, we're so collaborative, but you want to be on the list, you got to take someone else down. And so we, we, we live in this whole world of win-lose, right? To, to, to win, someone has to lose. Well, in the 21st century, the opportunity is how do we lift each other up? There's enough. So, you know, we, we are here for a different conversation, especially when it comes to work. Um, you know, we need to create new structures that support the purpose. But what happens is we lead with structure, you know, and, and you, could only, you can only rearrange the chairs on a sinking ship so many times. Um, this, the, the, the ship will still sink. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so when we lead with purpose and when we lead with humanity, that's our opportunity to really lift each other up and, and mm -hmm. say, let's make our own list. Who cares? Well, and being, but being authentically, authentically grateful, grateful for, for um, somebody else achieving success is is a wonderful thing. Absolutely, and, you know it's good for everybody. It's good for you. It's good for them. You know, if you somebody gets an, a promotion over you, and you feel like it should have been you, and you feel a little resentful for that, they're going to feel that the whole relationship corrodes from there. And it's not always easy, but you know, in the end. It is what it is. When I think that, you know, the other thing that that really, you know, leadership is is truly about in the past, we've always looked at it as, you know, as almost like a position, right, that you you have to earn. And all of us are leaders to, in today's world. We're all capable of exactly what Ayala just said. And, and it's that fear that's holding us back, right? And that fear is in our mind. And that's where we need to make the shift. And, and change our mindset to just open ourselves up to the possibilities. I've seen this tremendously personally over the last year and a half is, you know, what I once feared was rejection. And now every time I'm rejected from something, I see the, the opportunity that it's presenting. And that's just a simple mind shift, right? But to your point, it's not, it's not easy. Janet, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very difficult for as simple as it is. It's very difficult to do, but, but that's what makes us all capable of being leaders in today's world. And it doesn't mean that, that one leader has to be better than another. It's we're all helping each other in that way because we're leading with a purpose and we're understanding that it starts with us. It doesn't, we don't have to wait for somebody else to pick us and choose us to become a leader. It starts when we decide we want to be one. Mm. And we need, we need structure. We need somebody to make decisions. We need, um, we need all that. Um, but when we, when we bring in a new technology into the company that nobody uses and we get somebody to do a change management program for us, it's going to fail, right? I mean, enterprise 2.0, look at, look at all, all that. But when we decide that we're going to work out loud, we're going to share information because it helps whatever the purpose of the organization is, then technology is on fire and it's valuable and because it's connecting and the people in China can talk to the people in France. And sometimes with Google translation, they can actually understand each other because you can get real time translations, you know, from Chinese to French and French to Chinese, you know, not everything is in English is what I learned on my journey. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that ability to really embed the technology where it's valuable, that's where the magic happens. And so we're not saying, oh, you know, we're all leaders and everybody just needs to go run around with purpose. What we're saying is when you're very clear about why you're here as an organization, as an individual, and what you're doing, and you're able to lead other um, projects, right? I think it's crazy that in the 21st century, we have people managing other people when most people, you know, have a hard time managing themselves. But if we had people people managing projects if if from an organization we were very clear about what our purpose is and then we looked at um, what um, are the key opportunities what are the problems what is the infrastructure we need and then we had people managing projects performance management and a lot of this engagement conversation would go away because we would have people waking up jumping out of bed going I want to work I mean one of my missions is I fired myself from my corporate job, you know, when I found out I was one of the top 100 flyers in San Francisco uh, for my airline, and I thought, oh my God, I broke a glass ceiling, but I looked at all the exhausted people in the room that were with me uh, to, to celebrate that we were one of the top, you know, 100 flyers, and I thought, what am I doing? Um, so I don't want more people to be in my position. I want to help, and I want to create a healthier environment where we can connect and really people love what they're doing in the world and and we create this amazing 21st century leadership so how can we help our leaders understand that times have changed and it's time to start being more involving of uh, the other people that work for them that you know yeah it's true we're not all going to be leaders of the company but we are all leaders of ourselves so how do we bring that into the workforce is it education is it training is it a total mindset and only millennials will ever get it none of us are millennials <laughs> <laughs> Not, not, not in age, at least. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, quite simply, I think it starts with, you know, I, I've always said that the higher up you get in an organization, the more confining it gets, right? Because you're surrounded by a smaller group of people that are in the same mindset as you are. And so if you want to break that, if you want to explore what, what the possibilities are beyond that, you need to stop surrounding yourself with the usual suspects and you need to start getting out and having conversations and using those listening skills with empathy, not with judgment to be able to understand what is going on in the organization. What can be different in the organization? You don't need to run back and immediately change everything, but you can start to get a feel for what your purpose of your organization is and what people think it is and then help mold it so that you're all on the same page instead of you thinking it's this, everybody surrounding you thinking it's this and telling you you're right and not having anything change. I think that's like the biggest opportunity that anybody in a, in a leadership position in an organization can do right now if they wanna see things change is start having conversations with different people. I think I think um, I so agree with you on this, Tim. And I, I know when I was um, at Cisco Canada, and um, you know, my mandate was let's take us from number six in revenue to number two, because um, number one we couldn't be because that was the U.S. Um, and we did it. It was about going out and listening to a hundred people across the country 
Um, I had a hundred different conversations with people at all levels of the organization, and most of them were by video. And so there wasn't one location or one you know, person who uh, wasn't represented in, in that conversation. And I brought the, the, the data back to the senior leadership team and said, here, let's take a look at it and started to implement some, some big changing programs. And one of the things that we did with our CEO is um, we said, let's use the technology. And I know that every time he would have like an open conversation with employees, he would call me like the week before and say, Ayala, where are my slides? And I would say, no, 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 you're having a conversation. We're not using slides this time. And it, like every time. <laughs> every time and and it was like creating you know co-creating with him like one time I said what a great way we found that there were some issues with the Millennials and I said next time you give a talk we're gonna we're gonna have one of the Millennial uh, come with you and listen and write it up and and tell the entire organization what the experience was um, hearing you talk and imagine that that employee going home and, and someone saying to him, you know, how was your day? And he was like, oh my God, I got to hang out with the CEO and here's what's on his mind and here's what he's, he's telling our customers and he's, here's what he's telling the world. Um, you know, so, so creating those human to human purposeful experiences are absolutely key and we have to help the leaders really understand that there are new ways and new tools to do it and not just say, oh, well, you gotta be on Twitter. Because there's nothing more disastrous than to put a, a you know a senior a senior executive in the C-suite on Twitter who doesn't really understand that it's really about building relationships and connecting deeply with people, and that's you know and that's what we see a lot on enterprise 2.0 solutions, you know like Yammer and and all these other ones, um, Jive platforms is people have taken it and they they let their executives put a blog post on it but instead of having a conversation of really truly connecting deeply with people. So I think the opportunity is um, organizations and leaders need to ask are, what are the key conversations that we're having? And who are we talking to? You know, one word that we need to obliterate from our lexicon in companies today is audience. So I'm, I'm an ex, I, you know, I had to audition to get into university. I was a theater major and I auditioned for the best school in Canada and look what happened. And uh, <laughs> <You're on video. laughs> now I'm on video. And, um, <laughs> and that's when we have an audience. When we go to a show, when we go to a music festival, that's when we have an audience. We have to stop saying that we have an audience because when we have an audience, we create one-way communication. When we have people and humans, we create conversations and dialogue and empathy. And so when we stop designing those audience-based plans in our organizations, um, whether we're you know, independent or working with, with other people, and we say, okay, what are the relationships? Um, who do we trust? Where are our communities? that's when we can really shift. And, and that's the biggest opportunity we have. So again, it's a mindset shift because it's so easy. We've been ingrained to say, who's your audience? Yeah, Not who's your Yeah. And it, you know, I see sometimes I'll go into a company and they'll have the cardboard cutouts of their user personas and they've labeled Sally as, you know, the, the soccer mom who only goes to whatever on Tuesdays and they've got these really drilled down personas. 
but they didn't actually talk to Sally. They just created it in marketing and they decided who it was that wanted their product without talking to anyone who wanted their product. So even then, it's not human to human enough. It's not relatable enough. It's still the same old, same old. It's just, you know, you've got five personas instead of one audience and it's still the same dang thing. <laughs> I think some of the, the, the best opportunities that I've had have come from me meeting unlikely suspects in unusual places. And if I had a persona for everybody that I wanted to connect with, I never would have met those people. So being open to opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. They're all around us all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Tim and I don't even remember how we met. We make up a story every time. <laughs> well, now I'm not going to ask. <laughs> well, I think we were both in Heathrow Airport and we had connecting flights there. <laughs> and I needed an outlet to, you know, with a, with a universal charger to be able to power my phone up. And Ayelet was, was using the last one and I asked if I could borrow hers. <laughs> you know, things like that really bring us together, don't they? <laughs> Story number 853 oh of, how we, of how we met. <laughs> well, Ayala, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? Because we actually haven't talked about that yet. I feel like we have. I was um, going to say, I think we have been, right? <laughs> um, the book is um, called Our Journey to Corporate Sanity. And it has 33 transformational stories of people who are pioneering um, new business in the world. And it's just incredible that um, we get to hear their voices from all over the world, different stories of people that put people before profit. So organizations still need to be profitable. Business is the most powerful force organizing humanity today. And we have the opportunity to write a new story and that is um, the goal of the book. So the book is written like a journey. It has uh, three expeditions and it prepares you to leave your limiting beliefs behind and to uncondition from mindsets that may not serve you today. And then it takes you through the first leg of the journey, which talks about the human to human purpose and experience driven era and shows us where the opportunities are. And then the second uh, leg takes us through thriving in the 21st century where we have seven signposts. And for each signpost, we have these amazing stories of people you know, people you will know. Um, and it takes you through, if when we have conscious 21st century leaders who have individual purpose and create shared purpose and become whole as individuals and organizations and know how to integrate themselves and their teams into new ways of working and co-creating in connected networks, unlikely partnerships, trusted communities in a world where life is one big adventure and work is just part of it. Um, I start the book by saying that, you know, what if this is our biggest adventure? You know, we get so excited um, planning our vacations and journeys um, and we use words like retreats where retreat is actually a military term. Um, what are we retreating from? What are we vacating from? So what if life is one big adventure and work is just part of it? How do we create a new story for business in the 21st century and bring a 21st century mindset? 
And the book ends with a call um, for the architects of humanity to join forces and start this beautiful conversation here um, on this planet of what's possible. And Tim is one of the most amazing uh, stories in the book, him and 32 others. So I'll <laughs> hand it over to Tim to talk a little bit about the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it just, you know, it, it's one of the things, Janet, that I've really found is that you know, I think as as a human, all of us have this this yearning to feel a sense of belonging. And so many people that are our leaders are live, you know, they're putting themselves out on the edges and and it's a lonely place sometimes. And what I love about being able to read the the stories that people share in the book is even though they live in a very different part of the world than I do. They, their experiences are completely different than mine, that I feel a connectedness with them that I haven't felt with other people because we're on similar journeys together. And, and really when I, when I was, you know, about how I, at the beginning, how IELTS really helped me see that I'm an architect of humanity, is it because all my experiences up to this point have really become clear to me lately that my job really is what that call to action in the book at the end is. It's how do we bring together other architects of humanity to create the world that we want to live in? And and what you know, and part of my story, I won't I won't go into my whole story about in the book, but but part of my story is really learning how I have one life. And work is just a subset of that life. But there's many other parts that are subset of my life too, and they integrate and overlap with with work. And so it's amazing to to think what is possible when we start to to use the term that that Ayelet and I have come up with is life working. It's not about a work life balance. It's not about a work life blend. It's about having one life and how do we experience that to the fullest with work being a part of that, but not all of it. And, and so really, I think, you know, for me, it's how do I continue to live my life and do work as part of that life that help bring people together and create that sense of belonging for people? There's something that very few people are talking about. Well, two things. One is um, everybody's predicting the future of work, but we don't have a common definition of what work is. Are we working right now? Is this what work is about, right? And and what if work was play? And I think we need to reboot a bit and come back and see what does work mean uh, for me, for my organization? Because you know we're we're putting in legislation of no email during the weekend and all this stuff, but we still don't have a clear definition of what work is. And then the second huge trend that that's happening that's getting lost is this is the first time in the history of work that we have five generations working side by side. It is one of the biggest opportunities we have. And what is happening is that we're segmenting and separating the, the, the generations. And everybody's talking about the millennials or, you know, um, and nobody's talking about what's the opportunity to connect five generations in the workplace. And also it's deeper than that. There are people in their 40s, 50s and 60s now that are asking new questions about work. And they're being, um, and everybody's ignoring them. They're all talking about the millennials, but they're saying, wait, wait a second. I signed up for this. I got the house, I got the car, I got the trophy, whatever. Um, you know, <laughs> I do yoga and Pilates on, but 
and you know, I got the job, I got the promotion, and, and now what? And people are asking new questions um, at different ages. I mean, we are living now to, to the age of 100. And yet in our world, we still have 30-year mortgages, for example. Um, why don't we have 50-year mortgages? Why don't we have 60-year mortgages? We're still living in this 20th century mindset of putting people into boxes. And I think, you know, from a work perspective, if more companies looked at what is the opportunity that we have with five generations instead of trying to stick millennials into a broken system, we need to look at what is the system that we need to create? What is work and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. And having the knowledge of the elders and the energy of the millennials together in one room is pretty amazing. And I, being someone who's been in tech for a long time and and done startups, and you know, I I tend to think of myself more of a millennial mindset. And I think that's really hard for people to understand. This whole generational divide is doing nothing but dividing us. And there are plenty of people that can cross over and that actually want to learn from their elders and also from their juniors and understand more about how the world works and how they can make it better. Yes and yes, because I think that's, that's the opportunity. You know, if you go into ancient wisdom, um, we've kind of are shoving also the elders. I mean, I love some things that are coming out of Europe where we have generations starting to live together. We're looking at co-living in a different way. We're looking at how do we tap into all the beautiful resources that we have called humans and, and can learn. I mean, organizations can do so much. I mean, I have so many ideas for organizations about how we come together and how we create this new path and what's possible because that's what we move away from. Because if you, if you continue to try to solve problems, all you're doing is you're punching more holes and you're going, okay, you're not stepping out and saying, okay, oh my God, look over there. That's what's possible. I mean, I'm not saying anything I didn't practice myself. I was writing a totally different book. And then uh, a dear friend of mine invited me to a, to a trip I never thought I would take. And when I got the email on my birthday, it said, hey, Ayala, I'm in Forest, and I think you should come with me. I thought she was like crazy. And when I looked at the at the trip and I saw that it was about maternal health, something I'm very passionate about. Um, I just had written a Huffington Post article about what's your enough. Um, I learned in the jungle about taking what we need. Um, and I left the jungle saying, I need to write this book and I need to go in and work with leaders across the world to really make this transformational happen. That's why I'm here and that's what the purpose is. And so we can, we can shift the conversations. We have the technology. There's an ancient, ancient, ancient technology making a comeback. If you want a prediction on this, here it is. It's called dialogue. <laughs> Bravo. Well, please thank your friend for being a catalyst for us all because the book is really wonderful. And, and you know, I, I've, I'm really enjoying it. And I would like to let people know where they can find it. Is it only on Amazon? Uh, right now it's only on Amazon, um, but, but it's in other bookstores as well. It's, it's being more widely distributed. Um, the Kindle version is coming out pretty soon as well, um, and uh, it's going to be available in more, in more bookstores um, around in uh, online bookstores um, around the world. Um, and um, 
you know, I look forward to people experiencing it. You know, one of the, the cool things that I found is some of the people experiencing it are reaching out to, to other people in the book because you know reading a book usually is something that is a very personal thing and some people are reaching out to me you know I'm getting emails from people um, that are sending me quotes that resonate and as an author I'm, and I'm sure you feel this the same way Janet as an author sometimes so you can find the book but then the cool thing about social and mindful social is then you can have a conversation with Tim or me or anyone in the book and take it to new heights that yeah, was a long absolutely. answer. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll well, make it short. You can go to bit.ly forward slash C sanity, and that will bring you right to the Amazon link. <laughs> oh, that's well, and I think we could probably talk for a really long time, and I've really enjoyed hearing from both of you. Uh, why don't we close with telling people how they can find you or your website, Ayelet, and um, Tim as well. Sure. So um, for me, it's about uh, being able to spell my name. <laughs> um, when you're online, pronouncing it doesn't matter. Um, so it's Ayala Baron. I'll spell it for you. It's A-Y-E-L-E-T-B-A-R-O-N.com. And I'm also at Ayala B, uh, A-Y-E-L-E-T-B on Twitter. Um, and um, I love uh, creating new uh, conversations. So um, let's let's make it happen. And thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation, Janet. It's just so amazing when we move from social typing to uh, being here. <laughs> and Tim, tell people how they can find you. Well, the probably the easiest and quickest place to find me is on Twitter at T A McDonald. So that's just T A M C D O N A L D, and uh, my website will be the same thing, just T A McDonald.com. So uh, happy to connect with people wherever you want to be. I always say if you want to call or text me, you can call me at 312-970-0846. Uh, um, I still use that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And this is a mindful social chat and you can find the this on YouTube. You can also find it on mindful social marketing on Twitter. I'm at Jay Fouts and I'm absolutely positive that if you tag mindful social with your questions, one of the three of us will definitely get back to you with the answers and we would love to talk to you. Thanks again, everybody, and have a great day.